This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome along to the latest Liverpool Echo Blood Red podcast. Another Champions League victory for us to talk about this afternoon and we'll be looking ahead to Arsenal as well with that big game to come on Sunday. Paul Gorst and Theo Squires are both with me. All three of us were at Anfield on Tuesday night, Gorstian. Of course, it comes with a couple of caveats. The opposition, the fact it was only one game, but that was certainly a hell of a lot better from Liverpool on Tuesday. Yeah, it was. It was a lot more like it, wasn't it? Kind of elements of the game that you recognise as Liverpool, the pressing from the front, the making the pitch small and generally just working very hard in and out of possession. Um, so, yeah, it was a lot more like it, but... Like you say, the obvious caveats of being a Glasgow Rangers team who probably one of the weakest in the Champions League, shall we say. They've conceded nine goals now. They're yet to score. And OK, they were Europa League finalists last season, but um, don't look anywhere near being good enough at this particular level. So it's difficult to know you know, what to take from it, really. You know, I'm sure we're going to come on to it. But with Arsenal coming this weekend, it's Obviously, the, the system changed and they went kind of 4-2-3-1 or, or 4-4-2, as, as a few of them called it. Um, didn't have much time to work on it. Um, Klopp kind of dropped it on them on Monday before the open training session or perhaps after the open training session. So it's difficult to know whether it's going to be worth sticking with when they're coming up against the Premier League leaders who can go 14 points ahead of them on, on Sunday afternoon. But certainly from a from a general performance Point of view, it was uh, much needed, uh, very welcome, and something to build on. Really, it, it wasn't kind of a you know click of your fingers and Liverpool are back to the normal selves after 90 minutes, but the kind of gives them a chance to build on a minute, bit of momentum now, a bit of rhythm that they couldn't really get from the Ajax win because of the postponed game against Chelsea and then the two week international break. So I think they went what was it, um, nearly three weeks without a game between that Ajax win and the draw at Brighton. So um, Hopefully now that this gives them the opportunity to build on that a bit um, because I think Klopp referenced it today. They're going to need to really, given that it's Arsenal away on Sunday, it's Rangers away on Tuesday, which is going to be a... Uh, or Wednesday, is it? It's going to be um, a different game, I think. Uh, up at Ibrox, certainly a, a different atmosphere for Liverpool fans to contend with. And then the, uh, the mighty Manchester City coming to Anfield a week on Sunday. So, um, yeah, definitely an improvement for... Um, Liverpool not quite out of the woods just yet. Yeah, still plenty to, to think about, Theo, and, and lots of big games coming up, as, as Gorsty says. But just in terms of that game on, on Tuesday, I think that the fact that it was kind of a clean sheet, it was fairly controlling, almost boring at times. It, it was a, a type of game that we've not really seen from Liverpool for, for quite a long time now. No, Klopp alluded it to in his press conference how it's quite nice to not concede first for once, to actually get the clean sheet and to have quite a, a comfortable game, really. Like Trent Alexander-Arnold scores that worldie of a free kick, settles the nerves, and they looked a lot more solid defensively with the change of formation. As we've said, Rangers didn't really look up to much. They're playing five-man defence. They're always going to be very defensive. And it just left their attackers isolated and it made it quite easy for Liverpool um, they should have scored more goals, let's be honest. Darwin Nunes could have easily got a couple. He's a bit more composure at times, but as Klopp said, he's getting in the positions. That's all you can ask from him. At some point, his luck will turn and the goals will start raining in. Uh, but it was like that box ticking exercise. You get your clean sheet, you get your win, you get Trent putting in a solid performance, you get Mohamed Salah getting a goal. Other players who have been not in the best of form picking up a bit. 
the only thing it could have needed to give that cherry on top of the cake would have been the Darwin Nunes goal. But pl- plenty of positive sides. But what can we take out of it? We'll, we'll know more after the Arsenal game. Like if Liverpool stick with the formation, go like for like against Arsenal and put in a good display against a team that they've been a bogey side for really ever since Jurgen Klopp t- um, took over. Then it's like, yeah, Liverpool can really go in somewhere now. But there's still that cloud hanging over them at the moment. They need to go and make it count against someone a bit more of a threat than Rangers, really, for us to be full of positivity and convinced that the, the dark run of form is over. The obvious sort of point, really, Gorsty, is, is around the, the formation, obviously, heading into to Sunday's game. We heard from Jurgen Klopp this morning. He was talking about wanting to be a little bit more unpredictable, but it, it kind of felt to me with those comments that he was possibly hinting he might go back to a, a 4-3-3 for, for the weekend. But, I mean, how long do you think this will last? Is, is it the case, do you think, that maybe against the lesser sides you can go with that formation and, and maybe against an Arsenal and a City that might not be possible? Or, or is it possible that they could go bold at the weekend? Yeah, I think it's something we might see against teams that we know we're going to sit back and defend in numbers and kind of get 10 or 11 men behind the ball. Um, I wrote something on it um, earlier this week and um, I remember him going with it against Manchester City at the Etihad in November 2020 and I think he tried it against Newcastle in a 1-1 draw in April of last year. But generally, it's um, it's something he hasn't really used, isn't it? And I, Asked Harvey Elliott about it after the game. He stopped in the mix zone and basically said, "You know, how much time did you have to work on that? What did you think of it?" And uh, he called it a breath of fresh air. And, and essentially, it um, allows Liverpool to get an extra attacker in the mix, doesn't it? However you, however you see it, whether it's a four-two-four or four-two-three-one, four-four-two, whatever it is, it's all semantics essentially because it's four attacking players as opposed to to the three. Um, so I think it'll be something we'll see maybe against. Seems a little bit further around the Premier League at Anfield. Um, I'm not convinced we're going to be seeing it at the Emirates on Sunday. I don't think we'll see it against Manchester City either. But um, it's something, you know, it's an extra string to Liverpool's bow, isn't it? If they can kind of make it work. I mean, it, as I say, it's usually a little bit inconclusive given the strength of the opponent or rather the, the, the lack of, of strength really from Rangers. Um, but... Um, it looked good, didn't it? Liverpool created a number of chances. Darwin Nunes, as Theo says, could have had a could have had a hat of really. Alan McGregor, the, the veteran goalkeeper, was on form. He, you know, outstanding save from Jotter in particular in the second half. So, um, yeah, it's something for Liverpool to kind of keep in the, the bag of tricks, if you like. And Klopp and, and Peplin is always talking about being unpredictable, aren't they? So, um, if they can, you know, work on that at times, maybe it's something we're going to see more often than we have over the last few years. We did see it a little bit, didn't we, in, in terms of sort of late on in games, but is it yeah. something you can, can see, Theo, sort of from the, the start against these bigger teams? Can can Liverpool dominate, say, an Arsenal team away from home as well, of course, with you know Thiago and, and Henderson or, or Thiago and Fabinho, whichever combination it, it might be, or, or is it just got to be a, a three for you? Well, it's one where Klopp's used it on and off a fair few times during his time as Liverpool manager, and it's not just coming on in games either. Like I remember um, start of the was it the title winning year or the Champions League winning year? I think it was the Champions League winning year, where front three weren't quite clicking, so he put Shakiri in and made it a four-two-three-one just to get some results going, turn the form that way. And it's one with the defence as well. When the defence has been a bit leaky, he's had one of the fullbacks staying a bit deeper rather than having the number six just covering all that ground itself. I think he did that in response to the, the thrashing at Spurs at Wembley when Lovren got hauled off early on. 
So it's things that he's been able to do before and he just hasn't had to rotate too much because Liverpool have been pretty perfect with the way they go about doing stuff in games. Like They know how they play and they've got to, what, three Champions League finals, won the Premier League, they won the Champions League, they won the, the FIFA Club World Championship. There was no reason to step away from the 4-3-3 formation when it was working. Now, when things haven't been working, we're starting to see these different variations that they can bring in. And it's possible we could use it against the big sides. Like I've already mentioned if against Arsenal, it would be going like for like. They play 4-2-3-1. That could work both ways. It's like Arsenal are used to that system. They know it better than Liverpool and just get the better of them. But it means you're not going to get outnumbered in midfield. And it could mean that the forwards cause them havoc. Like you look at Liverpool's attacking options, Jossa loves a goal against Arsenal. Firmino loves a goal against Arsenal. Salah loves a goal against Arsenal. So that'll be stuff they'll be considering as well. And if we remember a couple of years ago when they went to Man City, I think it was because of um, midfield injuries, but they played four in attack there and they did really well for the first half. The sides drew and it was like the best 45 minutes you could see during the pandemic. And then they were all just knackered in the second half. But it shows that Liverpool on their day can play any formation with the players on form and get the results they need and be a match for anyone. The only issue is this year, they haven't been at that level. So it's finding those gaps and plugging those gaps, finding the way to get the form there. Um, it's one way you probably want to favour sticking to it at the moment, just because there's that tiny bit of confidence from it because players looked a lot more solid. Like the midfield wasn't anonymous. The defence wasn't so leaky and the attack were causing more issues. But how much can you judge from Rangers game? Like I said, you need to see that happen against an Arsenal before you go, yep, yeah, this is what we want to play against Man City. But this is what Klopp's got to decide on the training field this week. They'll be having, I think they had one day to work on it before the Rangers game. They'll have had three or four heading into Arsenal to work on it, if that's what they want to do. Otherwise, you're gambling going back to 4-3-3 and hoping that the same issues that were there against Brighton and before the international break have gone just from the confidence of beating Rangers in midweek. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I think as, as much as the formation obviously made a, a difference, Gorsi, I think it was as much sort of more conventional positions, I suppose, of, of one or two players. We'll come on to, to Darwin Nunez and, and how it helped him in, in just a minute. But I thought Trent Alexander-Arnold was much better and probably no surprise that that came in a kind of more conventional position for him. We weren't seeing him popping up in these new areas. It was very much a, a kind of revert to the old and obviously the free kick helps with that, of course. But it, it just looked a little bit like everyone kind of knew their jobs a little bit better. I wonder whether that can be adapted to, to a 4-3-3. Maybe it, it, it was as much that rather than the formation, potentially. Yeah, I mean, we've seen we've seen Trent basically showing up in centre midfield, haven't we, for the last year or so. Certainly since the start of last season, he made that little tweak where he moved in field and, and whether it was Henderson or Elliot, they got on the outside of him. Um, and I, I think that that's why, why people... Go go for this suggestion that he can't defend because they often see him in areas that a traditional right back doesn't operate, and it's not something that he's doing off off his own back or he just fancies going walk about. It's clearly a tactical instruction, um, and like Klopp said today, you know, no system in the world is with, without its weaknesses. So um, I think it would have just been a little bit more back to basics. Let's make sure we get the clean sheet um, and there are enough kind of attacking numbers in the team to, to do the damage without Trent doing his usual thing of, of getting into those areas and, and wreaking havoc with, with his passing and his crosses. Um, so it was, a, it was a good kind of building block to to carry on, really, and, and see how he goes. He's going to be up against 
very different prospect on Sunday afternoon against uh, Martinelli. Um, he's someone who always likes to, to run at the fullbacks, doesn't he? So I think him against Trent on Sunday could go a long way towards determining who wins that game, to be fair. Um, I thought Trent did really well against them at times last season. Arsenal didn't score a goal in four games against Liverpool last season. That they obviously did a little bit of a different prospect now, attacking-wise, with Gabriel Jesus kind of spearheading their attack. But, um, yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, I think Liverpool just need to see this as a massive opportunity to, to kind of grasp the nettle and show that they're not a busted flush. They're not in massive decline. And the... Um, Rumours of the miser have been a bit exaggerated. Um, because if they don't, the upside of that is Arsenal going 12 points clear or 14 points clear at the, the top of the Premier League. And, you know, it's, with greatest of respect to Arsenal in recent years, it's not Manchester City, is it? It's it's Arsenal who, who have come absolutely flying out the blocks, but um, kind of their progress has kind of run parallel to Liverpool's stuttering. So um, I think at some point Liverpool's season is going to have to change in the Premier League and um, this is as good a time as any really given that the, um, they've obviously got Arsenal Sunday, City next Sunday and it's, it's just going to be a jam-packed rest of the month, isn't it? Or right the way through to the middle of November for the World Cup. So um, yeah, I'm looking forward to Sunday and um, I think we might see Trent do a little bit of... Um, Kind of a, you know, if if Tuesday night wasn't being very disciplined and you know staying behind the halfway line, I think we might see a little bit more of him going forward, but not quite as gung ho as what we've seen him in uh, in years gone by. Yeah, certainly be something interesting to uh, to watch out for. We'll we'll have a little bit more of a chat around Arsenal in, in just a minute. But Darwin Nunez before that, Theo, I thought. I thought he was, was quite good, actually. I thought there were, were promising signs on Tuesday. Seemed to, to split opinion a little bit. A few people saw the, the missed chances as, as a negative thing, but I'd rather look at it as a positive and say, well, he was getting into those positions. He was sort of taking the, the touches and the movement looked good. Eventually, I would say that the goals will come if he keeps doing that. Uh, yeah, you'd like to think so. Klopp certainly thinks so and said that in his press conference. I think with Nunes... Um, it's been a recurring theme throughout his Liverpool career so far. Like even the games he's scored in, you will think going away, thinking of the missed chances as well. Like he should have had a couple in the Community Shield. He should have had a couple against Fulham. He should have had a couple against Palace. He should have had a couple against Everton. You go on here and he's played eight games. He scored a couple of goals, but there have been some good chances. Some of them, it's him making it himself and he's made something out of nothing. Others, he's maybe one-on-one or well-placed and he's just smashed it as hard as he can and it's straight at the goalkeeper. Just bits, a bit of composure, a bit more confidence. But then it's not something to be overly concerned about because, as you say, and as Pop says, he's still creating the chances. It'd be more of a concern if your striker wasn't having those chances because it's only a matter of time before something goes in off his backside or his knee, or and then his form turns. And like you look at his time in Spain with Almeria, he's scored two in his first eight games for them, and then won an insane scoring run. With Benfica, he only got like six league goals in his first year, and then he had the season of his life last year. He's a striker who takes a little bit of time to bed in. And that was always going to be the case at Liverpool as well. When you think they're adjusting to life without Sadio Mane, they're low on confidence themselves. They've had all these injuries. He doesn't speak the language, as he said himself too. It's going to take time. But when the goals start coming, when the confidence goes, once he's bedded in a bit more, it's going to just click. It's hard for him at the moment because he's got this big uh, target man 
in a similar sort of profile at Man City, who's breaking all these sorts of goal-scoring records. And you think, well, why isn't Nunes doing that? If Haaland wasn't there scoring that number of goals, you probably wouldn't have as much criticism because you think it's just a striker taking his time to bed into the Premier League. It's because another one's hit the ground running. You're thinking he's underperforming that bit more. But he's not. He's linking up well with his fellow forwards. Like the front four worked really well against Rangers. Um, there were chances where he could have scored, yes, but there'll be times again in the future when you think, how the hell has he scored that? He, positive signs so far. He just needs a couple of goals. And I think we'll all say he can miss as many as he wants against Rangers. If he gets a winner against Arsenal and gets a winner against Man City, everyone's happy. Yeah, I think the what we've always said, Gorsley, to be fair, is that he will need a, a bit of time to, to make those relationships. I think there's there's certainly a sign there that there could be a nice little link up between him and Mohamed Salah. I think we've seen that a couple of times already, but it is just going to take a bit of time. It might take a run of games. Is, is it time, do you think, to, to throw him in for, for a run? We'll come to, to team selections and, and stuff shortly, but at some point they've spent so much money on him, they are just going to have to play him and, and see what happens. Yeah, 100%. I think, you know, you never guarantee to be starting for Liverpool whenever you play, really, or, or however good you are. But I think Liverpool made this massive investment for the long term. They're going to have to start throwing him in there and keeping him in there and sticking with him, whether he's whether he's doing the business or not. It was interesting to hear Klopp talk about him today. He was saying um, basically he just needs to calm down in front of goal. And perhaps if we would have seen a little bit of a, you know, let's say, for instance, he, he goes into that game on the back of scoring at the weekend, um, he's got that confidence. You'd imagine he might have put one of those chances away. Um, just needs one to go in for him, and, and we've seen it so often with strikers. And we once that happens, they hit, hit the goal trail, going a bit of a bit of a purple patch, and then the, the goals start coming in for them. Um, I'd be a lot more concerned if he, if he wasn't getting any chances. Every time he plays, he seems to have a couple of really decent chances, doesn't he? I think, I think he hit the post against Palace, didn't he, before he got sent off and. Come off the bench against Fulham, right? he's, he scored there, and he's come off the bench against City in the Community Shield, and he scored. The, the chances do seem to to flow for him. So once he he bags a couple, then we can start seeing him really kind of put him to bed. These difficult early few months, um, but I suppose that starts with him starting games more. Um, I don't know exactly how many minutes he's played. Um, I remember writing something about a couple of weeks back and it, it, it was under 300 um, and he hasn't played a whole lot since. Um, and he's only started three, I think. Obviously, the, the game against Palace where he only lasts 60 minutes. Started against Everton where he's unlucky, you know, Pickford with that worldy of a save. And then um, Tuesday night where he could have had a hat-trick had it not been for the veteran Alan McGregor. So um, he's getting chances and I think once you know, one or two start going in off his backside or whatever it is, then we'll start to see just why Liverpool are convinced that he can lead the line for the next 10 years. I'd certainly be starting him on Sunday. We'll come to, to team selector very shortly, but let's have a, a bit of a chat around Arsenal specifically next. And I suppose the the question really is, is what, what have we learned about Arsenal so far this season? I think they've been They've been a lot better. I think they've won seven out of eight in the, the Premier League. They did lose to Manchester United, but they're certainly going to be more of a test than what they have been for probably quite some time for Liverpool. Uh, you'd expect so, yeah. I, last year, if they'd had Gabrielsis, they make the top four. They, they have good attacking youngsters, and Klopp's praised them all pretty much in the press conference today. All they lacked last year was that number nine who'd get them the goals. And now they've got that, they've, they've worked on the defence and made that stronger and they've somehow turned a midfield that looked a bit flimsy 
into a solid base. Um, Arteta's doing good work there. Seven wins from eight. It's a great run in the league. Um, but you'd argue they've not necessarily played anyone who's a real test yet other than United. Like, I know they had the derby last week, but Spurs had a man sent off, didn't they? Pretty much on the hour mark, maybe slightly later than that, which changes the result, makes it look a bit more dominant for them. It looked an even-ish game from what I was seeing before the red card. But you look at their attacking players, and those are the ones that are making all the headlines. Those are the ones that are impressing us week in, week out. And as Klopp said in the press conferences again, you can enjoy what they're doing until you play against them. So we've been admiring Saka, Martinelli, Jesus, and now it's like, oh, now Liverpool got to find a way to stop them. It's a big test for them because if Arsenal get the win over Liverpool, they can say, yeah, we're actually in a title race here. We are proper challengers. We're not just going to roll over after Christmas and let City storm to the title. They mean business. If they drop points there, it's just Arsenal, the same old, like they'll beat all the, the lesser teams, but they're still the whipping boys in this big six league. Um, they are a good team. They're a work in progress. The same as Liverpool were a work in progress when Klopp first took over. Maybe they're exceeding expectations at the moment. But when you look at the players they've got who you're impressed by, they're all the younger ones who are going to get better and better. And you wouldn't mind if Klopp could uh, poach a couple of them in the years to come. Um, I know we said about the battle Trent has against Martinelli. What was Martinelli? He got Emerson Royal sent off. So you're hoping that Trent can keep his head a little bit better. We know the test that these Arsenal players um, provide. We know how talented they are. You just need Liverpool to be on form and be a little bit better. I don't think any of us are going to be expecting Arsenal to win the league this season. They've had a great start, but you do expect it to climb at some point and City to just run away with it. But this is a chance for them to send a statement the same way it's a chance for Liverpool to, I suppose, reinvent themselves to everyone and say, yeah, we actually, we're still here as well. We haven't just had this great decline, like Gorsty alluded to earlier, like exaggerations and all that sort of thing. Uh, both teams have a point to prove. Hopefully it's Liverpool who will come out on top of the final whistle. Yeah, there's always one team that, that starts well. A few people get a bit excited and hopefully Liverpool can uh, sort of make it a bit of a statement, like you say. But I'll come to you on this as well, Gorsty, before we go into the team selective. You know, list there the, the number of attacking options that Arsenal have got. I'm still not completely convinced about their defence, though. What what have you made them so far? What have you made of them, I should say, so far this season? To be fair, they've surprised me because normally, I mean, they've, they've played a few games where last season they would have come a cropper and they'd have lost, then you'd have, you'd have said, well, that's just Arsenal to the T under Arteta, isn't it? Um, but the opening game of the season at Crystal Palace was a tough one. Palace put them under. Quite a bit of pressure in that one, but they held firm and won it. Um, but the big question, I suppose, is the one kind of big game that they've had this season. They've lost. Uh, they obviously went to Old Trafford, didn't they? And played well, to be fair, but ultimately have, have come away with, with a defeat. Um, so I think while there are still a, a fair few questions for Liverpool to answer, I think Arsenal are heading into this one with, with a couple themselves as well. You know, that this will, you know, I remember. The game last season at Anfield, I think Arsenal were coming in off a 10-game unbeaten run and, you know, there was talk of them finally looking to kick on and, and challenge and, you know, they were a different proposition to what many had assumed them. And then Liverpool won 4-0, ran out comfortable winners. So I'm not suggesting that that's going to be the outcome on Sunday, but certainly I don't think um, Arsenal have quite proven themselves as genuine, as the real deal at the moment. They've, they've started really well and there are plenty of reasons as to why their fans will be feeling optimistic and I think Gabriel Jesus up top and William Saliba at the back looks to be 
um, you know, coming back off off his loan and really taking like to the Premier League like, like a duck to water. Really, he's been superb. So um, plenty of positive signs for them. But um, it's games like Sunday that you know show whether or not you are kind of where you want to be. So um, I, th- I think it's going to be fascinating game. There's so many questions around the both teams really, and um, I think one way or another we'll get a couple of answers. Um, would you take it? Would you take a draw if I offered you a draw? Would you take it? Um, probably. It's it's probably one that you can't really grumble at. You know, Premier League leaders, aren't they? But I think, um, I think Klopp might be a little bit disappointed if they're still eleven clear of Liverpool by the end of Sunday night. Um, because at some point, <laughs> Liverpool's fortunes and form has, has got a turn, hasn't it? So. What better way to do it than Sunday afternoon at the Emirates? You know, they, they won relatively comfortable there in, in the middle of March, you know, withheld a little bit of pressure, but ultimately showed that they were the, the stronger team. So, um, yeah, they, I mean, Arsenal have, have made quite a few improvements since then, but um, Liverpool should be going there in in, in a kind of fighting mood, as, as Klopp might call it, you know, ready to show that, they are by no means um, in decline, which has been the kind of narrative of the season almost, haven't it? You know, so many outside of the, the Anfield bubble are, are looking to paint this Liverpool team as one that has kind of reached the top of the mountain and, and they're on the other way down now. So, um, so many kind of, you know, elements are played this, this Sunday, which is why it's going to be such a uh, fascinating afternoon. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Certainly will be. Let's move on to our team selections then. Plenty oh, of questions. Then. Go, go for it if you want. You go for it. <laughs> Which ones do you want to ask me about? Well, you brought it up. Off you go. I just thought we were going to have a little <laughs> discussion about Artemelo, seeing as a, that's a muscle injury and we don't know how long he's going to be out for. I'm about two questions away from asking you about a midfield. There's a smile on his face. She's like delighted that Liverpool have got another, another injury in the field. <laughs> go on, to write about, doesn't it? Arthur Mello, what do you reckon? Is, is he going to be out for a while? <laughs> we don't know. They've not had the scans yet. We're waiting to find out. Um, it's, at least it's an answer. He was left out of the squad, wasn't he, in midweek? And we're like, oh, does that mean we're going to see him again? But it's just a typical of Liverpool's fortune. Then they get Curtis Jones nearly back from injury, Oxlade Chamberlain nearly back from injury, and Cater nearly back from injury. Then another one suffers a setback. You'd like to think that he's not going to be out for too long. And we actually do get to see more than 13 minutes of him this season. But yeah, it's just a, one of those. It's like Liverpool wait to the last minute to get a midfielder. They sign one who's got injury problems. And then a couple of months later, he gets an injury. It's just rather fitting, I suppose, of the whole saga. Good point. Well made. Right, team selector. <laughs> Alison Becker in goal, Gorsty. What's your back for? I think the big question is whether Ibu Canates have enough, um, enough minutes, training minutes in the legs to consider him for selection. But... I thought Matip was, was, I thought he was good against Brighton, which sounds a bit odd considering he conceded three goals. But as an individual performance, I thought he played well. To be fair, I'd, I'd probably pick Matip over Canate anyway if, if they were both at 100% and ready to go. Not that there's that much in it. I, I really like Canate, but I just think Matip is, is top class anyway. So I'm going to go with him. Van Dijk and um, Andy Robertson isn't back yet. So it's another run out for Costa Simakas. 
Yeah, same again for me as well from Tuesday night. That's going to be a bit of a theme of my team selection, actually. Um, Theo, back four from you. I concur with our Liverpool correspondent by time and away. Unchanged Excellent. back five. Good stuff. Right, midfield, I'll stick with you, Theo. Even you were so uh, excited to talk about injuries in that position, we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll stick with you for the midfield. Um, I reckon 4-2-3-1, I'm going like for like against Arsenal. Uh, it's tempting to bring Fabinho back in. Like, you think they're going to have some rotation there. But Henderson was really good against Rangers and Thiago's the, the undroppable midfielder. So um, maybe Fabinho can have half an hour off the bench or something, 25 minutes off the bench, and then he finds a bit of form in time for Man City. Don't need to rush him back when he's had such a poor start to the season. Let him play his way into form gradually. Henderson and Thiago can keep the place. Yep, I'm with you. I'm sure Twitter will love the fact that we've both picked Jordan Henderson again. Gorsty, midfield? I'm a bit torn, really. I don't know whether to stick with with what worked on Tuesday or whether to bring Fabinho back in uh, and go 4-3-3. Fabinho's a strange one, isn't he? He's just kind of fallen off a cliff this season. I mean, he's not the only one, but just seems to be nowhere near his top level. Um, I thought Henderson was good the other night. So was Thiago. Very much more disciplined from the pair of them, really. Um, Yeah, I'm, do you know what? I'm going to stick. Um, I'm going to go with Thiago and Henderson. Fabinho coming on, hopefully, to kind of protect the lead. Um, because I just think we're going to get onto the forward options shortly. But I just think there's a, on top of the Nunes points that we made, I think um, Diogo Jota enjoys himself against Arsenal as well, doesn't he? So Thiago on the left of the two and, and Henderson on the right. Yeah, I'll stick with you for the forwards as well. Again, same as, as Tuesday for me. I think you know, there is possibly an argument to bring in Firmino, but is it just the, the same four again for you, Gorsi, as well? Yeah, I mean, I actually think this this formation would suit Firmino probably the most of Liverpool's forwards because he loves to drop into those pockets of spaces wherever they be, um, whether it's at left back or centre midfield or right wing. Wherever there's a bit of space, he likes to drop in and try to nip the play, doesn't he? And at times, when there's, when he's to centre forward, it leaves absolutely no one up top. Um, we've seen that against Manchester United probably most glaringly. So I think this formation probably suits him the best. But uh, Jota loves his time against Arsenal. He scored seven goals against them in two full seasons. Um, and Nunes, like we said, he just needs minutes, doesn't he? So um, I'm going to stick with the team from, I mean, Spent the last five minutes picking the team. I could have just said Liverpool are unchanged, but um, <laughs> I think an interesting factor is the fact that Liverpool played Tuesday and Arsenal played Thursday. Um, you know, the only cherry on the cake for Klopp would have been if they would have had to face Bodo Glimp away um, in the deepest, darkest uh, Norway. Is it? Is it? Is it Norway or Denmark? Yeah. Um, apologies to our Scandinavian listeners. <laughs> but um, I think that might be a factor, to be honest, because you know Klopp loves playing on the Tuesday um, ahead of the weekend games. Um, so with it being Tuesday night, Sunday afternoon, that has fallen pretty much perfectly, considering the, the game is at home as well. So um, I think that might be a little bit of a factor as well in in, in playing the unchanged eleven. Unchanged for you as well, Theo, or are you going to make the case for Firmino coming in? Um, I could see the claim for Firmino because with the four-two-three-one at least having him in there, dropping that bit deeper, 
gives you the extra body in midfield if you need it. Like you're relying on the offensive play to work straight from kickoff, get a couple of early goals and be in control of the game without it, not needing that extra bit of protection. But Liverpool waited two months to find a bit of form or to find something that works, to find some sturdiness in the midfield and the defence. It just feels like the one game you find it, even if it's only Rangers, you can't just rip up it again for rotation. Rotation is going to come in the next weeks with so many games before the World Cup. But when, as Gorsty said, like they've got the Tuesday, Sunday break, this is like a rare opportunity to just have an unchanged team and see if this is the formation to go, if these are the players in this, these positions to go. You're going to make changes against Rangers on Wednesday night. And then if it works against Arsenal, you can do the same sort of thing against Man City. So, yeah, it makes sense to keep it the same and see if it does the job. Um, and it's against Arsenal in the same sort of system. You're relying on Liverpool's players to come out on top and be the better of it. Ooh, absolutely. Well, uh, we'll do our match predictions then just before we finish. I think I'm going to go for 2-2. I think there might be a few goals and it could go either way this one. Gorsty, come to you first on this one. How do you reckon the game might go? One of the toughest predictions of the season, I think. Um, I don't know. Liverpool normally enjoy themselves against Arsenal, tend to score quite a lot of goals, certainly on the clock. Um, I think it's 47 in 18 games since Klopp took over. Um, so let's say goals again. Uh, let's go, I'm going to go with a, uh, one of the games of the season, 3-2 win for Liverpool. Certainly exciting. Theo, as many goals for you as well? Um, I don't reckon there'll be as many goals. I think let's go 2-1 Liverpool. Like, they have got such a good record against Arsenal. I think the only win Arsenal have got against them in 90 minutes um, against Klopp would have been when Liverpool already won the league and there were no fans in because of pandemic football. And I just feel like as good as Arsenal have had this season, winning all the home games, if Liverpool start well and get an early goal, is that fan support going to be as strong? Like We know what Arsenal fans are like. We know what Arsenal are like when things aren't going their way. Liverpool could rustle them. And the fact they haven't had things going their own way, or they have had them going their own way, sorry, all this season, maybe the opportunity is there to uh, shake them up a little bit. But they're still quite a prospect at the moment so let's go 2-1 for an hour thing but Liverpool can score a couple of early goals make it 4-0 why not <laughs> well that's uh, certainly more optimistic both of you are actually more <laughs> optimistic than I am so hopefully I'm wrong and you both are right we will see on Monday's Blood Red podcast when we analyse hopefully a Liverpool win against Arsenal if you missed Jurgen Klopp's press conference earlier the full injury update that Theo alluded to earlier you can watch that on the Blood Red YouTube channel all the usual content around the game of course from the echo liverpool.com and Blood Red but for now that'll do us thanks for listening and goodbye for now You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.